Hi, I'm Danny Hornigold, and I'm delighted today to be joined by two extraordinary individuals. We're going to delve a little deeper to see what lessons we can learn in running high-performance businesses in extremely difficult environments. George Toto, thank you so much for joining me. Great to be here. Thank you, Danny. Guys, I want to get kick-started because every hero story, or in this case, leadership story, uh, has to have a good origin story in the background. And I want to get a bit of an understanding about both of you guys, about whether growing up you were sort of exceptional individuals, or did you like team sports and being involved in competitive nature within a team? George, what was your background growing up? Well, I played just about every sport I could. So team sports, individual sports. I swam competitively for a long time until I stopped uh, growing. And I figured out I must have had a, a driver's build because all the tall guys kept beating me. Um, played football, baseball, those sort of things. And I think the team sports really helped me understand that, you know, it's not just one person that can win. It's it's really how you put the pieces together and how you uh, can excel as a, as a group, not an individual. Yeah, it's interesting, George. I sort of imagine you as a tech guy behind your Commodore uh, programming early on. It's interesting to hear about you out there in that regard. How about yourself, Toto? Were you in involved in team activities growing up? Well, I tried to be involved in team activities, but I wouldn't say I was the, the best in the gang. Uh, I tried uh, lots of sports. Austria, obviously, skiing. I did uh, some uh, martial art and uh, tennis. But I also understood how important it is in terms of team spirit because I played rugby, which is quite unusual in Austria. And uh, we were by far not the best team, but we won the championship because we just had the best dynamic in the team. And that reminded me just if everybody has shares the objective and the passion for something, you can actually outperform much stronger organizations. I didn't know about the uh, martial arts. I'll have to be a little bit more careful uh, moving forwards. Um, I guess to start with, I want to get an understanding of where you see yourselves as leaders. As in, do you see yourself as part of the team that you're running or do you see yourselves as sort of a separate entity that's dragging the team along with you, George? I, I'm definitely part of the team. You know, I, you have to be on the front lines. I'm out uh, almost every day when I, you know, when we're not restricted with COVID, with customers traveling around the globe and uh, working with the sales teams, working with customers. And unless you're out and about, you know, management by walking around, you really don't have a sense for what's happening. And you don't have a sense for what the customers want. And a lot of the ideas that I get are directly from customers. They tell you what, what you want. It's, it's amazing if you just listen to a customer, they will tell you what you want. And uh, I think we've done a good job of being able to listen and react to it and come up and anticipate what they're looking for and anticipate getting in, in front of the threats. And I think that's really important. So I don't know too many good things that happen in the office, I guess I like to say. I'm sure there's, you have to be there. I, I get it. Um, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but being out in the field, understanding what's happening, having a pulse of what's going on is really important for me. How about yourself, Toto? Because I guess, you know, you've recently extended your tenure running the Mercedes F1 team. Is part of that because you enjoy the energy of being involved with the team? And has that changed compared to your sort of past career as an investor? When I reflect of where I feel the best, it is in the garage, actually, when, when I see the mechanics buzzing around. And so we are social, um, a social species. We want to be around people that share the same mindset and share objectives. But I guess in our roles, we have to divide our time, at least I'm, I'm trying to do this, divide our time between the dance floor and the balcony. On the dance floor, it's what George described now. You have to be with the customer, you have to be with the team, in my case, and, and interact with the individuals, because it's most important to really 
comprehend in the detail what is going on. And most of the leaders that I have met in my life, they, they were control freaks and had an um, uh, obsessive compulsory syndrome, but they knew about it. So they were able to channel that in a proper way. But the balcony is necessary because you need to think about the strategy of the team or the organization going forward. You need to look at the competitive environment and many other areas that are not, you know, which wouldn't be consistent, consist of your daily job, but are important of how the organization develops. So both for me are very important and I enjoy being on the dance floor and on the balcony. I want to lift the lid and dig slightly deeper in both regards here. Toto, heard you talk before about the fact that if the, the cleaner back at the factory in Brackley is, is the best compared to any other in Formula One, and everyone takes that philosophy right through the business, then in theory, you should be world champions. What I'm, I guess, more interested in is I think someone back there cleaning the success, they don't feel immediately connected to the success when you take a victory. In the same way, George, for you, if, if a cleaner working at CrowdStrike or, or someone doing a junior job sees the stock price increase, they don't immediately connect with that. But one thing that I've noticed with both of you is that people will refer to you when they're doing their job. So if I've been at the Mercedes factory, someone will be doing something and say, our Toto likes it like this, and, and we'll do this because that's the way uh, it should be done to be, to be optimized. Exactly the same with CrowdStrike. Wherever I've been in the world, meeting members of the CrowdStrike team, it's saying, oh, George loves it when we can do this, and we're all pushing in the same direction. And I want to know if it's deliberate, because... It's very special to have harnessed that culture. Toto, starting with you, has it been a happy accident of who you are as a person or has that been something that you've targeted? I think nothing should be deliberate. It should be authentic. For me, it is important that what we are trying to achieve in terms of performance is being reflected everywhere in the organization. And it's in, in a way, it's the mindset. If everything is cleaned up, then you will eventually perform better because we are Formula One team, we are high tech and the detail matters. And you, the moment you step into, into a company, you will see whether the leadership has the attention for detail and that is important. So in, in my case, I'm trying to really motivate and energize every single individual in the, in the company. And I'm saying, find out who your opposite person is in the other team. And coming down to the cleaning personnel, and it's, it's not cleaners. It's really um, things that matter in terms of point of sale. Are we really looking like a Formula One team? So if sponsors come, they, they, they are impressed. In the same way, keeping the hygiene up in our offices once we travel and the garage is extremely important. And we, we, are, we are lucky that these people see purpose in, in what they are doing. And they are doing a better job than their opposite number in some of the other teams. And to just give you a trivial example, in terms of COVID, they just kept us safe. We are having a traveling hygiene team. And to be honest, that is so important for, as part of our performance. And George, moving to you on that regard, I guess my question is, is it scalable? You've seen this sort of vast increase in, in CrowdStrike's gr uh, growth and development in recent years. How scalable is that connectivity, the fact that you almost linked in, it's almost like the yogurt pot and string to every member of staff going back to your philosophy. Is it scalable? I think it's scalable if you set the right tone and the right philosophy, and it really does start at the top. And um, I totally agree with Toto. It's the details matter. And I, I tell people all the time, if you take care of the small details, the big items take care of themselves. And it's that attention to detail, that focus, uh, the, the 
the removal of friction in everything we do to, to streamline things, uh, the focus on the customer fanatical uh, customer uh, obsession. And if you could set the tone at the top and uh, you can inculcate people when they come into the organization to how we think about things, I think that's where you get the scalability. You have to have the framework. And before COVID, we actually used to fly every employee, no matter where they were, around the world into California for a week's worth of immersive training. And I would go out and teach it. My other executive team would go out and teach it. We'd have videos, but it'd be a full week of, this is what it means to be a crowd striker. This is how we think about the customer. This is how we think about innovation. And I think that served us really well. We have to do it virtually now. But if you can build that philosophy and that framework and people understand you know, how we make decisions, we don't cut corners, we uh, always do the right thing, uh, I always try to do the right thing. And I always tell everyone and I tell every customer, I can never promise perfection. I can only promise our response back. You're going to have some bumps. You're going to have some things that don't go right. But if people understand the philosophy, they can take that philosophy and they can make it right for the customer. And that's really where you build long-term relationships and successful partnerships is when you have an issue and you solve it for a customer, they remember that. And that all starts with the right culture, the right tone. And what we talk about is our mission, our mission to protect customers. Toto, uh, the team has now won seven back-to-back double world championships. And I think in any business, there's a tendency to want to achieve something and almost ease off the gas slightly to coast for a moment to take a breather. You, you can't do that in Formula One and you shouldn't, I guess, do that in any high-performing business and team. How do you stop complacency setting in when you've had such success and how do you inspire team members uh, to reach for the next goal, the next targets? In sports, we have uh, set a new benchmark with uh, seven consecutive world championships. Uh, That hasn't been done uh, on a world championship level anywhere else in the sport. And it's not trivial because, as you say, it's not so much complacency that starts to creep in. It's more that you're just getting used to it. It becomes the new norm. And the new norm is something that is uh, not always exciting. And that's why you need to set objectives that motivate all of us. And it's not as simple as we want to win the next championship. It needs to be more down to the single individuals. What does motivate me or what does motivate her? And we, we spent quite some time in developing those objectives, the joint objectives and targets. And every year in the discussion, a new exciting dimension is being added. And in the past, it was winning a world championship. It was about repeating repeating it another time to not be the flash in the pan. And then the regulations got changed. We had a new driver. And every year, in a way, we were able to reshape those targets. And now we're in a situation this year that we have some strong opposition from not the usual suspects, Ferrari, but Red Bull, a young and upcoming driver. Um, uh, regulations, aerodynamic regulations that have that have harmed us a little bit. So this is what motivates us. And next year, we have a completely new car that is that is going to be launched. So we are developing, we are, we're working in these two work streams, and uh, that is tremendously exciting, and it's just what the doctor ordered after seven consecutive championships. Yeah, yeah, they're ready to go once again for another. And I suppose, George, it's similar for, for yourself in regards to that, that sort of amplification in the change in, in cybersecurity and the criminal threats that are out there. How are you motivating your team to constantly predict and try to be ahead of the game of where that next attack is going to come from? It gets back to what I talked about a little earlier around the mission. And our focus is is really helping customers stop breaches, right? And and I like to say, we don't have a mission statement, we're on a mission. And our victories every day are not necessarily winning races, 
like Mercedes, it's really about protecting customers. So every time we protect a customer and every time we defeat an adversary and every time we save the day, that's just it's it's empowering for all of our folks. And that's that's really what motivates them. They love to win, right? And they hate to lose. And winning is stopping the adversary. You know, losing is if we have a problem and uh, we, we win a lot more than we lose, right? And that's, I think, why we've been very successful uh, at CrowdStrike. But it's that daily dynamic environment that we're involved in is just like racing, right? You, you have two humans or, you know, 20 people that are racing and it's all dynamic. It's different every day. And that's the same thing with cybersecurity. Yeah, there's technology involved and a lot of it is automated. A lot of it is artificial intelligence, but you're, when it comes down to it, and this is what a lot of people don't necessarily fully conceptualize, is you're fighting another human or a team of humans on the other side. And it could be an entire country that you're dealing with, right? So, and their tactics change, the, you know, the weather changes, the tires change, the, you know, you get my point and you have to be able to react to it. Toto, uh, George mentioned there talking about, you know, victories feel great, but almost the things that you remember more are those losses. And we look at Mercedes in recent years and the team that you've run have become defined by success and victory, really. And you've seen the partnerships that not just CrowdStrike coming on board, but the incredible blue chip companies that now partner with the team because of that success. And I think we've heard people say, that's great, but what will Toto be like as a leader when the team starts losing? And I guess my question to you is, is something I've heard you say before, is saying that the day the team fails is the day that your competitors will regret? And why do you feel that way? What's the meaning behind that? And how do you think you'll react as a leader in those moments? I think you you make a point that why would somebody like George or CrowdStrike join us as a partner? And I believe it's it's our performance. It's high performance on the echelon, top echelon of, of motor racing. And we want to be associated with extremely ambitious individuals like George or a company that has so extraordinary ambitions like CrowdStrike. So that was something that was very important for us, that we were able to really choose the right partners that would have the same mindset and the same objectives. But as you say, what the motto that I'm in a way trying to install in the team is that you learn much more when you lose and we have defined it with the sentence you mentioned the days that we lose are the days our competitors will regret the most because it's the days where we learn the most you rarely come away from a race weekend that you've won and say well why the hell did we win but when you when you go it's just it just feels so when you lose it's just so bad you just feel so inadequate in in a way and that is the days where you dig deep where you try to understand why it happened and Generally, the, the, the step forwards you make after loss are much bigger than the, the days where you have won. Hey, Danny, if I can jump in here. This is, a, this is kind of a funny story because it really follows along with Toto saying. We were in Austria about a year ago before COVID, and we were having dinner, and it was a bunch of F1 drivers and, and other folks. I mean, it was, it was a really an interesting dinner, uh, eclectic group. And I was sitting next to a, a reserve driver and the gentleman had been in F1. He was a reserve driver and we were just chatting. And I said, Hey, tell me what motivates you. I said, is it the love to win or the hatred to lose? And he says, I love to win. And I said, that's the wrong answer. And he just looked at me and he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, when you win, how long does that last? And he says, yeah, I don't know, like, you know, the day. And I said, when you lose, how long? He goes like two weeks. And I, and I gestured over to Toto. I said, hey, Toto, you love to win or hate to lose? He goes, I hate to lose. And I said, look, you got you to gotta reorient yourself. And he goes, you're right. 
And he thought about it and he says, I really do hate to lose. So I think it's the, the hatred to lose and, and the lessons learned that really do motivate, you know, obviously uh, Mercedes and the entire team and certainly CrowdStrike. We don't win every every opportunity, but we learn from them and we come back stronger. And uh, that's really what I, I think it's all about. Yeah, it's a, gr- a great story, uh, George. And again, the, the partnership, Toto mentioned there about the, the natural partnership with CrowdStrike and obviously for the team operating globally and not being able to lift off the throttle, you don't want to have to worry about security. You want that to be dealt with by someone else. And the benefit of CrowdStrike, the idea of we stop breaches in the same way that the team have been defined by success, that's really defined CrowdStrike. So it's the same question, and maybe it's even a harder question to you, George, is what happens if those adversaries or criminals ever got past you or a customer how do you cope with that and, and what happens on that day because the we stop breaches is such a defining thing to say about CrowdStrike. well what we always talk about is any any large company can have an incident right and what we want to focus on is is making sure an incident doesn't turn into a breach and an incident could be you know someone attacks a machine well okay, that's going to happen, right? Someone could exploit a, a machine and get on the machine. But what we focus on is even if they were able to get on a machine, a lot of times this is not malware related. Like you can't necessarily stop someone who stole a password to log into something because they come with the keys. It's like the car keys. They already have them. They, they start the car. But we can identify that very quickly and we can shut that down. And we talk about things like breakout time. Uh, breakout time used to be four hours. It's now an hour and a half. And a lot of what we we talk about is, yes, prevent as much as you possibly can, but there are things that are not preventable. I steal your credentials and I log in. There's nothing that really prevents that, particularly if you don't have two-factor authentication. So if someone is on a system, we can identify that within a minute, we can investigate within 10, we can shut it down well within 60 minutes. And if you look at the breakout time of an hour and a half, you know, you're well within that period of time. So uh, you may have an incident, but you don't have a breach. And this uh, is something that I really drill into uh, companies and boards of directors. Any any big organization is going to have some issues. Could be even internal. But I think what's important is every employee takes it personally. If there's an issue at a customer, if there's something that happened, yes, we're on it, but we take it personally. And uh, we want to make sure that we address and contain any uh, item that might come up. And, and that's served us well in being able to stop breaches for our customer. As we prepared for today, I thought back, George, you and I spoke on the first episode of A Formula for Success last year with Lewis Hamilton. I was looking at the formula for success when it comes to high-performance teams, and I thought maybe there there isn't a a direct formula. Toto, in in Formula One, the, the name of the sport is the formula that makes the number one set of motor racing regulations in the world. It's always changed every single year since 1950. For next year, the biggest change probably in history, new technical regulations, um, the new cost cap that came in this year. It's almost like a new sport. How have you and the team approached these seismic changes, having had such success and now having to pivot to cope with something new? In Formula One, when you are the team that is leading the pack and um, if you're doing it for a longer time, even more, you're running around with a target on your back. That means all the other teams are going to gang up Uh, to in a way stop the dominance. And that has happened to us every single year since 2013. So it was to be expected that the regs will change dramatically because they already changed quite a bit over the last six years in a two-year rhythm, but this time they wanted to do the job properly. So we were actually excited about that because we defined a while ago that um, like in many other industries, there are diminishing returns. You set the standards and the levers and everybody can orientate themselves on these levers and they will 
eventually their learning curve is going to get steeper and they will catch up. So the best moment for us was like every three to four years, the reg should be changed. And every seven or eight years with a dramatic change. And that's exactly what happened. We um, trust our organization that we built. We believe in our capabilities uh, and in our tools. We have a fantastic set of partners that motivate us and that provide us um, with performance items. And that's why, why we are really excited for next year. We don't know where we're going to land because the, the aerodynamics are totally different. There's a set of new tires. We are running 18-inch tires rather than the 13-inch tires that Formula One has been running for tens and tens of years. And all that means that it's going to be really exciting to see who's, who's coming out best out of the blocks. And there is teams that will have started development very early, writing off the 2021 season, which we couldn't in a way because we're still fighting with Red Bull for the championship. So it was, we had quite some discussions about how to balance current development versus next year's development. And there is a sense of excitement within the team to see whether we got it right for next year. And I believe we have the right skills, capabilities, tools, and people uh, to, do, to do that. But uh, next year, March, uh, watch this space. Let's see who's got, who's got it right. Yeah, I can't wait for next season, but I'm also being careful not to wish this season away for anyone tuning in that hasn't been following Formula One this year. It is one of the all-time great championship battles and uh, two great teams going toe-to-toe. George, Toto, thank you so much for joining me for part one. And for those of you who joined us for this podcast, please stay with us for part two. We'll hear more how George and Toto drive innovation and lead some of the most talented people from the worlds of cybersecurity and Formula One racing. We'll also hear some fascinating insights from Toto on how seven-time Formula One World Drivers Champion Lewis Hamilton maintains his edge over his competitors. CrowdStrike, we stop breaches. We're also the official cybersecurity partner for the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team. Trusted by champions, protected by leaders. Take us for a test drive at crowdstrike.com forward slash F1.